We're doing the lost parables of Jesus. This is our third week into a series called The Lost Parables of Jesus. And it's, like I said from the first week, this is not some parables I found when I was digging at Qumran. That's not that kind of a lost parable. We're talking about the parables where Jesus spoke about issues of lost or lostness. And so we're going to be looking today in the Gospel of Luke, if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, where we're going to be starting What we've discovered so far is the level of concern that God has for lost things. What what mainly when we're studying scripture, one of the things that we want to be looking for primarily is the heart of our God, knowing a little bit better who this God is that we serve, that we surrender our life to. And one of the things you're going to see here is that he's very passionate about lost people. His heart goes so strongly out to them. In the first week, we looked at the lost sheep, the story, and how, what the teaching is that the shepherd loves people and lost people so much that he put the herd together in a safe place, and then he went off to find the one that was lost. And so we saw in that picture how one person is so important to the Lord Jesus that he put a priority over the herd for the one. And I don't know what that does to you, but it ought to step on our toes a little bit to put a priority on that one that is lost even more than the collection of the herd. He, he loves people that much. Second thing that we saw last week was the lost coin. And we learned that Jesus will go to many extremes, any length, to find that lost one. Remember how that lady got so busy and moved her furniture and swept the floors and lit the lamps, did extreme measures and was not going to give up until that one that was lost was found. So we're beginning to see how passionate the Lord is for that one because we begin to think, here's what we think that I think that shuts us down. There's so much darkness. There's so much brokenness out there. There's so much that we don't even know where to start. We don't know what to do. Well, I think what we're saying in the midst of this, it's always the one sheep or the one coin. You're not to go after the masses. We're to go after the one that God puts in front of us, the one relationship that's been built with a person that does not know the Lord. And we're to go after and pursue that one that's away from the Lord. Today, we're going to look at the story of the lost son, or the parable, the parable of the prodigal son. What I'd like to do is to do some cutting into the life of a person that is running from the Lord. Let's do an autopsy, if you will, on the characteristics of a person that is running away from the Lord. Now, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke 15, and we're in verse 11. Reading from the New King James Version. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me or my inheritance. So he divided, uh, then he, excuse me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal or wayward living. 
But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want or in great need. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the, with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he said to his son, and he, he said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to marry. <clears throat> Interesting picture. Actually, one of my favorite pictures of the Lord in all of Scripture. I mean, there's great pictures of the Lord. But this one does something to my heart when I hear what he does and how he responds to that one that's off, that one that's running, the one that's trying to get away. So let's, do, let's dissect this prodigal for just a moment. The first thing I saw is that there is a selfishness that comes along with immaturity. The selfishness of immaturity. As we saw this young man, you know, being young does not necessarily mean we're selfish, but we're kind of born selfish for survival reasons. You know, you have a baby, it's all about the baby. The baby can't really do anything for you. You have to do everything for it. So it grows up in that environment where it's the center of everybody's attention. And then there's a period of time around two years of age. You have to start handling the will that was strengthened in those first two years. But there is that story of self-centeredness that grows from our very basic nature. Our flesh nature, do you understand, is sinful, is, is selfish? Our early life training is selfish. It's all focused on us. So, I think the Lord allows the difficulties of life to begin to set up on our life. A refiner's fire, if you will. You know, we get to go through situations in our life and we, as parents, hate to see our kids go through some very difficult situations. But we need to understand that the Lord is refining off the selfishness out of our life. You understand that your flesh, my flesh, is incredibly selfish. I want it my way, when I want it, how I want it. And if you go against me in that, you're going to get my anger. You'll get to see my selfishness. And I know that I'm the only one here like that. Except Pat, I saw her. I saw Liz elbow Pat on that one. Refiner's fire. 
So the Lord lets us go through situations that the fire is turned up and I think dross is removed, burned off. Until we've been under, we've placed under authorities, starting with the parents that begin to discipline that selfishness out of us. Then it moves to teachers, to coaches, to administrators, to police, to military, all the way up to, if that, if that is not broken in that journey somewhere, then we even have prisons that are full of people because of this basic concept of selfishness never been dealt with by the Lord. Or He's tried and they've run and we've rebelled. Because we tend toward selfishness. And I don't think we're all cured. Right? Because I know that if we do something, somebody might be upset or because it steps on us. Because we all struggle with it. Look at this son. He demanded his portion of the inheritance. It was not supposed to... The inheritance does not come to the child until the passing of the father. But in this case, he demanded his part of the inheritance first. He left home, as many as, of teenagers... By the way, how many of you were smarter as a teenager than you are as an adult? Yeah, I was really smart as a teenager. Gotten steadily dumber since that point. But he left home, why? Because he thought it would be better somewhere else. He's tired of living under the authority of the father or the uh, management of the mother. He wanted to get out on his own because it always looks better on the other side. And he said I want, in this story, I want to get as far away as I possibly can. He didn't just go a little ways. He went to a far country a long ways away, a distant country to get away from what he was dealing with at home. He took the inheritance money that he did not earn. It was just as a gift from the father. That as fathers, we would love to be able to bless our children with inheritance at, the, at our passing so that it might help them advance in their life and not struggle maybe quite as much as we did. So we all desire that. And the father had been working all of those years to feed him, to clothe him, to educate him, to put, him, put a roof over his house. He had worked all those years and then with all the extra, he had set it back for the purposes of giving to his son at the proper time on his life. But this kid demanded it. He demanded it when he wanted it. And it says immediately went to this far distant country, took the possessions of the father, not rightfully his yet, but took the possessions of the father, and spent it on, one translation says, riotous living or <clears throat> immoral living. In our day, it would be drugs, alcohol, sexual immoralities, all anything that would please the flesh. <clears throat> and he'd spin it all. And it got to that very difficult place. Here's what I see about selfish immaturity. It's in me. It may not be in you, but here's what I see. It does not know the price of love. Selfish immaturity doesn't know the price of love. All it knows is that I want, and I want it now. But if he didn't understand the price of the father paid to show love to the son, he didn't understand that. Selfish immaturity does not care that there is a sacrifice for, by others. They didn't care about the sacrifice. They just wanted what was theirs. Selfish immaturity does not do what is graceful or appropriate. He left his home. He left the standards of his home and got rid of all standards, went out, lived any way he wanted, 
until he ran out of the father's money. And in that place, he began to find a a turning point. His altar was a pig pen when he got to the place of figuring out what selfishness was. I I see that selfish demands, selfish immaturity squanders, gets rid of, doesn't take care of, and it rebels. Now, the second thing, as as we dissect this son, the second thing is the destination of the wrong road. He has a tendency, he chose to go a path opposite, directly opposite of the instruction of the management of his father and his family. He spent everything that his father had worked all those years to give him. He found himself at the point of being broke. He found himself in a country of drought. We know what that's a little bit like. We got a little more rain recently, but we've spent the last month or so in a pretty severe drought. And, but if you just consider that, let's say that drought went on for 12 months, 24 months. When, I mean, at that point it's desperate, I mean, it's scary. He found himself in that drought and there was a widespread famine. There was not enough for the people around there, not enough to eat. Food probably had to be even rationed at a very high cost. And it says he lost all of his money. He also lost all of his, quote, friends the friends that would hang around with him because he was lavish with father's money. When he ran out of money, those guys quickly went away and looked for somebody else. So he's hungry, in a drought, broke, and broken. This, this destination of the wrong road. <clears throat> he went to a, a farmer, a local farmer, to ask for a job. Some would say it's more of a slave position, but it would also be a just a hired hand position. He went, he was given the job of feeding the pigs and I don't know how many of you have been around any pigs on the farm, but what is, that, what is it they eat? What do they call it? Doesn't that sound good? I mean, that make you hungry? Slop, pig slop. And that means pigs will pretty much eat anything you throw in there. And so you can imagine this kid is not just, I'd like to have a hamburger, this kid's hungry. Because he says he's looking at the pig slop, wanting to, thinking about getting a pod, some piece of grain or out of it so that he could eat. And it said the pigs wouldn't even let him have it. He was in a bad, bad place. Left him at a pig trough, looking at the pig slop. Paul writes it like this. It's a journey that many of us have been on. It's a journey every prodigal will go on. And all of us probably have some prodigal condition in us. But here's where he found himself. If you go to, and Paul described it like this in Romans chapter 1. If you'll read that passage, it starts that we're up here in our journey and we begin to make wrong choices, sinful choices, wrong choices, sinful choices. And we get further and further and further down into uh, a really bad place. Here's what Paul says in verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him nor gave thanks to Him. But in their thinking, they became futile. And their foolish hearts got darker. So if you're in this journey and we we make these rebellious wrong choices, the further we go into that, there is a futility of thinking and our hearts begin to be darkened. A darkness settles in, our thinking is not clear, 
and it begins to be more and more selfish and foolish and futile. In verse 28 of that same passage, as it dropped down just a little bit further in Romans 1, 28, it says, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. He gave them over to a reprobate mind, is one of the translations. That the Lord lets us go away from him as far as we want to go. He even says at that stage, I've always heard it called passive judgment. That if we run from God far enough, that God will let you have what you're running toward. In other words, he'll let your mind become your God. What a scary thought. That what we're serving is not something bigger than us, but us with a darkened heart and with futile thinking. What a terrible place to be. And that's where we find this young boy. You may, you may have heard this by Ricky, uh, Ra, uh, so, excuse me, Rave Zacharias. You've heard him on the radio, a great Bible teacher. He says, sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. It, it takes you further, sucks you in, keeps you longer. When you want to get out, you can't. And it costs you by the end of it, it'll cost you everything. So we've looked at, as we dissect this young man, let's look at the, the third thing. There is a, the hope for awakening. The awakening leading to restoration. Verses 17 through 19. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, where was he? Standing looking at the pig slop, really hungry and almost ready to eat that. At that moment, selfish immaturity began to melt off this young man. Melting away in the furnace of testing, he started understanding what he's done. He realized how foolish his decision was. He began to understand how badly he dishonored his father by doing what he did. All of this at an altar of a pig trough. It began to melt away because the fire was hot around him. He was, he was uh, bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, financially, every way. He was bankrupt and he's standing considering eating with the pigs. And in that fire, clarity began to come. Selfishness began to melt off of him. He realized at that place, he could see the results of his selfishness. As the pigs stood there looking at him, threatening, don't eat our food. You see the picture of repentance in this story? It always just, it breaks my heart because I know my own rebellion. It says, I'm going to go out of here and I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. That's called brokenness. That's, that's a realization of our sinful condition and our brokenness. Make me like one of your hired hands, Dad. You may be hiding it, but you may be in that same condition here today. You've run, you've run, and you've run. 
You've taken it all on yourself. You've been in control of your life. You've been, you acknowledge God, but you won't, you won't serve Him. You rebel against all authority He's put over your life to guide you, shape you, protect you, mold you. And you find yourself in a, with a heart of rebellion, foolishness in your thinking, and you feel the darkness on your heart. You may be here like that today. For the first time guest, or you may have been a church member a long time, but that's where you are, running. I want you to take a little bit of a view of this God. Verse 20 through 24. But while, the, while he, the lost son, were you with me, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Do you hear this? Do you see this father? Do you know this God that we serve? Can you get it, catch a glimpse of him? He lets us run. You can run. You can be standing at your own pig slop. He'll let us go there. But did you, do, did you notice where he was? I think he went to the, probably the window of his house every day and looked, tried to see where the son was. Where are you, son? Praying over him. How many of you have a prodigal somewhere? Lift your hand. Okay, lift your hand way up because I want you to see this. Everybody, look, how many of you have a prodigal? Vicky and I have a prodigal that we're continuing to pray for. But you notice what happens? The minute he had this realization of who he was and he took a turn, says the father saw him and what does the father do? I'm going to wait till he comes back here to grovel because I'm so hacked off. So you see, see that father? That's not him. That's not this father. The minute he turned, it says the father took off running toward him. I love that picture. I wish I'd have played the song every time I talk about this story. <clears throat> when God ran, look it up on YouTube. If you don't know it, look it up and listen to When God Ran, one of my favorite songs. That when people, God is so hungry and loving of people that when they are find themselves at the pig trough and they don't have anything left and they said, I need to go back home, I need to go back to the Lord, please know that God is already running after them. This isn't all about us chasing them. This isn't all about us getting them saved. It's all about us telling them so that they could turn and then the Father's running at them already. He's coming after these people because he loves them. Instead of being the abusive father, he said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, which actually was reserved for the, the firstborn son. Bring the blessing robe, and I want you to put it on this one. I want you to go put the crest ring of the family back on my son, which kind of gives him a checking account. So he says, I want you to go get the ring, and I want you to put it on this lost son. I want you to go get the royal sandals and put it on his feet so he is no, he's not coming back in here as a slave, he's coming back in here as a son that we're celebrating. Matter of fact, you know that calf that we've been feeding grain, getting fat? Go kill it. And let's have a party. For that one that's been gone is back home. 
Do you see the image of our Father? A lot of people don't want to turn to Him because they have a picture of Him as a, the angry, abusive God. He is not. He's looking for you to just make a turn and He's running after you because He loves you. I would just say, if you find yourself there today, if you'll just want to make a turn, the Father is going to run towards you. He's been waiting on you. Matter of fact, he's been working in your life enough, even through your dumb choices, he's been working through those to get you to your pig trough. So you could stand there and realize, I've screwed this really bad. So I'd kind of like to go back, Father, would you forgive me? And he said, yes, and let's bring, let's bring you home. I don't know if you're here like that today, but if you are, I think you ought to check this out. Vicki, would you come? My son that was dead is now alive. My son was lost and now is found. If that's you, here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you bow your head? Would you say, Father, am I away? Have I run away? Has my heart become darkened? Have I begun to think more foolishly and doubt runs my life rather than my... Uh, relationship with you you might be a Christian in a way or you may have never received him but today you find yourself at the pig trough go ahead and let the reality of the pig trough melt off of you the selfishness of immaturity and say Lord I just need to run back I need to run back home I think there may be several in this church that need to run back to him not to the church, run back to him. There may be here friends here today who do not know him. You need to run to him. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm finding myself living in a pig trough. Lord Jesus, this is your word. You say wherever it is spoken, even with fumbling and failing, your word goes out and it never comes back void. That you're, you're teaching your truth and the anointing that comes through your word is going to rest on people and you're calling them back. You're calling people back. So Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Ask him, what do you want me to do about it? We're going to take a few moments here for a, an altar. If you just need to come and run back to him, it's been a while, let's do that. If you don't know the Lord and want to run to him, come. We have people here who will show you how to get back right with the Lord. Lord, have your way with us. Let's stand.